Hey there, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of HCI's Nine to Thrive podcast. Today, we're coming to you just weeks ahead of HCI's 2019 Employee Engagement Conference, which is set for July 29th through the 31st in Denver. This year, it's all about the cutting edge craft of employee experiences that help drive business goals, along with a culture of high performance, values, support, and sustained innovation. Today, we're super excited to have Sarah Devereaux with us. She's head of strategic initiatives at the Google School for Leaders as part of our lineup in July as well. So Sarah, you've been with Google in learning and development since 2007, and I understand that you say your work is your calling. What's kept you so attached to what you do? It's a great question. I think that helping people to really be more successful in their lives, um, as well as at work, we spend so much time at work. It's it's kind of tragic um, if we're miserable. So helping folks to really understand how they can find more joy in everything they do by learning um, is really what keeps me going. Awesome. And so a handful of years ago, Google's people development team got some survey results that were quite worrisome. And come to find out, women were reported to have, quote, low well-being at work compared to the males they work with. So what did that discovery lead to? And why did Google decide to invest in the well-being of their women leaders? Yeah. Um, so Google really started focusing on improving employee well-being in 2012 and 2013. We launched a series of resources, expanded benefits, and we designed learning programs to help employees manage stress and improve the quality of their lives, both at home and at work. Search Inside Yourself was published by a Google fellow, Meng, uh, and Googlers all over the company were starting to engage more in meditation and self-reflection practices. At the same time, Google was working to improve our diversity and inclusion programs, something that is still a huge focus for us. And we were particularly focused on programs for women in tech. So in 2014, as you mentioned, like when Google's annual employees survey, Google Guys showed these concerning results when it came to the well-being of our women senior leaders, people development was really quick to act. The thought was, if women at the top are struggling, how can they support the women who are further down in their organizations? We needed to approach the problem from multiple angles if we were actually going to get results. So we launched our first cohort of sustaining high performance for women with around 20 women directors at the end of 2014, and we saw some really encouraging results. So not only did well-being scores increase in the following year's Google Geist results, but so did scores related to retention, innovation, and belonging. These are all metrics that we really care about. So today, we've reached nearly 300 senior women leaders at Google, and we have evolved the content over time to meet the challenges that Google's female leaders face, both today and also in the future. So we don't just want to focus on what folks were struggling with in the past. We really want to get them ready for the challenges that are coming up. As part of the Google School for Leaders, we expanded the program pretty significantly, offering two versions of our director for our director population, and then another version for VPs. For directors, we focus on topics like self-compassion, role overload, overthinking, uh, with New York Times bestseller Rachel Simmons, and on things like strategic slacking, limiting beliefs, and setting boundaries, 
Those are topics that we explore with happiness expert, I love her title, um, Dr. Christine Carter. Participants are told which content we're gonna be covering at which sessions so that they can choose a session that features the topics that resonate most for them and what they're struggling with. Then for our VP population, we work with best-selling author Joanna Barsh, um, who led the Centered Leadership Project at McKinsey. And Joanna's content goes particularly deep. She tackles topics like identity um, and purpose. So I think, I think one of the, the biggest things that we've learned over the years is that no two women are the same. Everyone needs something just slightly different when it comes to improving their well-being and making lasting change to sustain their performance. So in addition to offering these multiple versions of the program, we've, we've also decide, you know, designed the exercises and modules uh, to be highly personal. So we're giving everybody a chance to get what they truly need out of the experience, not necessarily delivering something that's a one-size-fits-all. That last point that you mentioned, it's not a one-size-fits-all, it's something that we're hearing more and more about. And I think that along with that, we need to talk about the fact that you can invest in all you want, but until people feel the need to change and do things differently, that investment might not actually go where you want it to go. But it sounds like in your case, it did. So could you tell us a little bit about how you created an environment that actually empowered your female execs and what are the results that you've seen so far? Yeah, absolutely. We, we did a ton of experiments in this space, um, focusing on how to create the right external environment as well as the right internal environment for true transformation. So for the external environment, we looked at everything from the location and venue where we host the program, all the way down to the furniture we choose and how we incorporate things like scent uh, and live plants. So we've spent a lot of time studying an area of research known as neuroaesthetics, which explores the biological reasons why we as human beings find something beautiful or moving. And it attempts to understand the impact that these sensory experiences have on our brains and our behaviors. So what we're specifically interested in when it comes to neuroaesthetics at the Google School for Leaders is the impact of these experiences, these sensory experiences on learning and transformation. And we're now in the process of deploying a lot of what we've discovered across our programs. So sustaining high performance uh, was, was really one of the first to go, to go all in, I guess, so to speak, um, in this area. And, and in case you're wondering, yes, the chairs that you pick really do make a difference. And then for the internal environment, what we're really talking about is mindset. Those beliefs and assumptions that a participant holds while they're going through the program really matter. And we want to ensure that we get them into the best mindset possible for learning and growth. So on day one of the program, we take a good amount of time to set this tone. We talk about limiting distractions, taking time to be selfish, and the importance of being honest with yourself about what's really going on for you and vulnerable with your peers. We reinforce these messages throughout the program through both formal activities and more subtle signals. So it isn't just something that they hear once during the welcome, and then we never talk about again. The thing that I find so beautiful about all of this is how the external environment works to support and really enhance what we're trying to achieve in the internal environment. I'm not gonna go into a ton of detail here as this is something I really wanna go deep on at the conference at the end of July, but hopefully that gives you a taste um, of what we're doing in this exciting and new space. 
All right, Sarah, thank you so much for explaining all of that. Some of the things you mentioned, I don't think a lot of people would think about when it comes to what actually empowers and what actually can lead to change as far as smells and plants and things like that. So that's really cool to know. While you said that you didn't want to go into too much detail, and we totally get that, (laughs) what if we do have some people out there that are thinking about putting this into action and doing something similar? What words of wisdom would you give those colleagues who are thinking about starting a similar program? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things is is making sure that you actually understand what your audience is struggling with and what type of content or intervention would be most valuable to them. I often see well-being programs that are focused on surface level solutions, honestly. So things like eating healthy, working out and going to the spa. You know, don't get me wrong, self-care is important. I personally love a great massage and it's but it's it's really just not enough. And women need more than just regular spa appointments um, to sustain a high level of performance. As a designer, you really need to ask yourself, what's really going on that's impacting my audience's well-being? It's usually not the first answer you come up with. So a busy schedule certainly plays a role. Um, I certainly wish that my calendar had less meetings on it. but, But what's actually underneath that? So what organizational pressures, societal pressures, or cultural norms might be making it hard for people to say no to a meeting or delegate decisions or pass a project over to a peer. There's almost always something below the surface, something more systemic, either on an individual or organizational level that needs to be addressed. And the impact is usually more serious than skipping the gym or not taking the time for a massage. It typically goes a lot deeper, whether that's emotionally or more serious physical concerns. So if you don't know what might be going on for folks, take the time to find out. So pull together a focus group or conduct some individual interviews, set up a safe and compassionate space to ask people how they're really doing, what their ideal state looks like when it comes to their well-being, and how far from that ideal state they feel they currently are. Keep them talking about themselves. It's really easy for people to generalize or to talk about what they see others struggling with when it comes to this topic. It can be really a tough subject for many, especially women who are told from a young age that they can have it all and do it all as long as they put in enough effort. When they feel like they don't have it all, it can feel like a deep personal failure. And it's important to be sensitive to that when you're asking people to share and be vulnerable and to take that into account when you're coming up with your design. Finally, I would say, don't be afraid to try things out even if you're not sure how you'll measure success. I think we get a little obsessed with that. What's the impact? What's the ROI? And we forget how valuable just experimenting can truly be. So we've experimented with a ton of different content and formats for this program. And we honestly haven't taken the time to put together a robust measurement strategy for each one of those experiments. At the end of the day, when it comes to well-being, pretty much anything we do is likely to have a positive effect. The trick for us was finding a combination of tools, expert advice, and environmental elements that would have the greatest impact on Google's women leaders. And to do that, we needed to experiment and take a few risks, which can feel scary, especially when you're dealing with content like this. So many good points there. Anything from actually giving people a voice so that they can be heard instead of assuming what might work. Like, hey, we can fix everything with a 60-minute massage, when in fact, that won't always cut it. 
So I think that that is a great point for us to kind of wrap up on and just knowing that, hey, we have to listen to our people. We have to know what will actually resonate with them in order to create a strategy and make it happen. So Sarah, any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, I mean, I would just say thank you so much for having me here. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to continuing the conversation uh, in Denver in July. Yes, we can't wait. And so for now, folks listening, you can find HCI's 9 to Thrive podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. For more information and to register online, visit www.hciengagement.com. And don't forget all about the fun you might be missing out and head on over to your HCI 9 to Thrive podcast channel to listen to more. We'll catch you on the next one.